Check, mic check, one, two. Yo, is this thing on or what? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Platform Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dex. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you go hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, let us know what you think of the show. If you got any questions for the guest, leave them in there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button, leave us a five-star review. Today, we got to welcome a, a brand new guest. Obviously, you can see we're in a, a new location here, <laughs> setting up in a, in a new spot. Beautiful, beautiful balcony, a lot of good lighting in here. We're sitting down with Ukeme Eligwe. Hopefully, I'm not butchering that. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You did a good job. Proud Nigerian. He's head of security downtown at Whiskey Row, one of my favorite venues to, to play at and to go out at. Former linebacker in the NFL. We like to call him Leeway Boomin. Leeway, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, I appreciate man. you. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Thank you for setting up. I love how you do it, the professionalism. Was the clap, is that, is that what you do? Yeah, we get a little, it's just to, so the audio all links up between the cameras. Okay, uh, gotcha. That way it's, it's one spike in the audio. Okay, gotcha. So that way all that audio can line up, so that way when I go through to edit it, it makes it a little bit easier Perfect. for me. I was, I was wondering, I didn't know if that was like part of your show. I didn't know that. But, you thought it was me you. just hyping myself yeah, up, just yeah. getting in the Some, zone, getting ready? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I needed to know, so yeah. that's all. So I thought it was funny, obviously, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, and it's crazy to me because you've always been a super outgoing guy since I first <laughs> met you uh, when I moved to Nashville. And when we were talking about sitting down and having you jump on the pod, you mentioned that you were a little nervous to, to get on camera and, and kind of break out of your shell. So how are you feeling now? Are you still nervous? I'm good. It, I think it's more so like that whole podcast thing. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Since I was little playing sports, you have a camera on you yeah. from people recording you 24-7. So when you become somebody and now people want to interview you. So obviously I'm not like scared of cameras or anything, but it's it's this. The mm-hmm. whole, oh, we're doing a podcast. It's yeah. like, oh no, nah, hide the equipment. Nobody else needs to do podcasts. It's one of those type of things. So if you guys catch me at Best Buy, you know what I'm doing. I'm I'm setting up for my podcast. Got you. But it's the whole podcast thing, I would say, mm-hmm. more than more than anything. Well, I'm glad that you're uh, you're breaking out of it and taking the time to sit down here with me. And uh, we talked about it a little bit last week or whenever it was. Uh, and yep. man, I'm happy to get to get your side of the story and and get your your life out there, uh, this journey that you've been on so far, and then have people see what you're doing now and some of the things that you're getting into. So, I mean, tell tell the listeners, tell the viewers just a little bit about yourself, background, where you're from. Uh, from Georgia originally? Yep, Stone Mountain, Georgia. I was born in Atlanta, uh, Northside Hospital, but raised in Stone Mountain pretty much my whole entire life. Um, here in Nashville, man, I've been here since 2019. When I came here, the Titans, they worked me out. Um, I signed the same day. Um, at the time, me and my, my family, we we moved here. So, uh, but originally from Stone Mountain, Georgia, Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, right outside of Atlanta. Um, Grew up there, played football there, went on to play football at Florida State. You know, from there, Georgia Southern played football, got drafted out of Georgia Southern. Um, shout out to those programs, great programs. And then went on to play in the NFL. Um, and pretty much now we're here. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about like the journey through, through from high school to playing at a, a school as prestigious as a Florida State. Uh, are you still? Uh, I mean, are you rooting for Florida State all the time since all you the played time, there? Man. I'm, I won a national championship for Florida State. Yeah, 
Man, I was there for three years, even though if, if I'll get into my story, but um, I ended up getting dismissed from Florida State. Okay. So, you know, that was like, that was challenging in itself to overcome that. Um, but I always root for Florida State. I got I got the spear tattooed on my leg. Um, like I said, I won a national championship. It's like, you can't take those things away. Yeah. The friendships, the brothers, everybody I have from those three years down in Tallahassee, Florida, of course, I'm rooting for Florida State every every chance I get. So, I mean, how'd you feel about them getting left out of the uh, the playoffs? I think it's just it's effed up. It's really it's really it's crazy because you you go undefeated, you play everybody they put on your schedule, and then the excuses that they use for keeping Florida State out mm-hmm. is, is more embarrassing than anything. Um, I, like I tell people, I just say it's about the money. Hey, we would have lost out on hundreds of millions of dollars by leaving Georgia Bama out, or Georgia. Bama yeah. out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And honestly, I don't honestly only think Bama was supposed to be in. If anything, Georgia was supposed to be for. But mm-hmm. um, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> um, but in itself, uh, I can't wait to see Florida State take on UGA. Yeah. Um, everybody's like, oh, we don't have Travis. Jordan Travis, yeah. Jordan Travis, yeah. Um, I wish him well because I think he's going to go on to be a great NFL quarterback. I really do. Um, but at the same time, it's the next man up. And mm-hmm. anybody that plays sports at a high level, you know it's next man up mentality. You lose your starting quarterback. It's the next man up. You lose your starting linebacker. It's the next man up. You lose your running back. Next man up. The coaches, the scouts, um, the recruiters, they're supposed to do their job and making sure the next player is just as good as him. Or Obviously, you know, certain places you're not going to have reloaded where you can just reload, reload, reload. But the top five, power five, um, you know, those teams, you, they their job is to just reload. Yeah, when one guy goes down, boom, we up, we right, right, we didn't skip a beat, um, and I think Florida State did that when we went and we beat Florida with our second string quarterback, and then Louisville. we won AC, yeah, Louisville, yeah. and then we went and beat Louisville with our third string quarterback. Yeah, it's a team sport, it's a team game, and um, we did everything we could. So I yeah, I'm always that. really interested by, especially at a college level, right how ready the, that that next man up is yeah. um and it's i mean year after year you you have those programs like a florida state a bama mm-hmm. a georgia where somebody goes and then the next man up is yep. just as good yep um i mean when hurts got benched yeah and tua went tua, and yeah. won a national championship for them i mean you think about even yeah. just the three they had mac jones tua yep. and hurts yep all on one squad, like exactly. it, it's wild. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and then even you look at a Georgia who just had Stetson Bennett for the mm-hmm. last couple of years, and now they just move right on, and they're still yeah. a, a one loss team. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 wild to uh, to think about just how those programs just stay ready, yep. and they're good to go. So with with you transitioning from, I mean, just tell us a little bit about your your career at Florida State if you want to get into. Um, just kind of your path. Yeah, so coming out of high school, I mean, I, I actually did play quarterback my senior year. Quarterback? Um, yeah, and I, I, I played quarterback. Yeah, I yeah. played quarterback in middle school, and then I went on to play quarterback in high school. But once we had this kid, uh, his name is Jari. I'll never forget. He came from Florida. Um, I really do believe if he didn't come, I probably would have started my freshman year at Stoneman High School. Um, I think other people can attest to this, too, so I'm not just <laughs> bullshitting. Um but he came along. He was a sophomore, more athletic. Um, he ended up playing, and I went over to defense, and that's pretty much where I learned how to play linebacker. I had a good coach, great coach. Mm-hmm. Coach Gator teach me how to play linebacker. And then Jari was a year ahead of me, so he graduated. So senior year, we didn't have anybody. So I stepped back in playing quarterback, and I played linebacker. Um, I always say I would have rather went like D2 playing quarterback than D1 playing linebacker. Really? Yeah, believe it or not, I really would have. 
Um, but the cars landed how they did. Um, I was one of the top linebackers coming out in the country um, out of high school. Um, pretty much had offers everywhere. And uh, we had one of the number one recruiting classes coming out at Florida State. Like, I mean, we had five stars. We had everybody, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Mario Edwards was number one player in the country. Jameis Winston was, like, number one quarterback coming out. Um, we were loaded. We had Marvin Bracey. He's an Olympic sprinter. We had Ronald Darby. I mean, oh, yeah. we had everybody. My best friend, Reggie Northrup. We went in, some of the best linebackers in the country. Um, it was just a great environment, man. We went down there under Jimbo Fisher um, in the second year. You know, we won a national championship. Um, and Tallahassee is fun. Tallahassee is a place where you can get in trouble. But Tallahassee is a great city. It's a great college town. Um, obviously, it's the capital of mm-hmm. Florida. Um, a lot of business that's done down there. But overall, uh, Florida State is it's like the pinnacle when it comes to football, honestly, in Florida. You got Miami, yeah, you got UF, but Florida State is where you want to go if yeah. you want to you know, compete and be the best, I would say, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winning a national championship is something that uh, – Nobody is ever able to take from you. Right. Um, and, yeah, that team, I mean, you got Jameis Heisman Trophy winner and then yep. bringing home national championships. It's yep. got to be uh, something crazy to be a part of in that just team environment, um, being able to contribute to something like that too. Right. Uh, is that something that you think, I mean, looking back on it now, like w- w- what happened with Florida State that ended up – I, I figured you transferred. I didn't know what the story was. So I did. I mean, I had to transfer. Um, I got dismissed. So I got dismissed from Florida State. Man, I failed too many drug tests. Really? Sm- smoking marijuana. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's, look, I mean, look look now. I mean, marijuana is, is, is nothing, right? Um, but at the time, obviously, I was coping with it. It was my coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, that's what I use. It was one of my vices that I use. And um, it – Against the team rules, um, obviously I was going through a lot more, you know, in my personal life where that's what I chose to use, and um, like I said, just failed too many drug tests and they dismissed me. So from there, um, I spent another semester there, just going to school, mm-hmm. made all A's and B's, and then I realized, okay, why aren't kids making A's and B's if all you got to do is go to school? Um, being a being a student athlete is way different, man. You waking up five in the morning, working out. You got study halls, yeah, but you got so much more you got to focus on. Um, they say student athlete, but believe it or not, um, you're an athlete first if you go to school. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now, it's, it's on you, you know, to be that student. It's on you to have that discipline to do your work, go to class, um, you know, to follow through that schedule that's written out for you to stay on the path of success, at least to stay eligible in those in those terms. But um, you you definitely if you want to go to the next level, which is professional and whatever sport it may be, um, you you gonna focus a little bit more on you know that sports side of mm-hmm. things. In my opinion, that's that's the route I took. I was like, well, I want to go to the NFL. Yeah, I want to make good grades also, but let me focus on sports more than anything. Yeah, where if there's a day where you're hey, am I going to finish up this homework or am I going to go hit this lift <laughs> or go watch this film? Right. right. Uh, you, you're picking right. You're picking the film before you're working on something. Yeah. Which, is, which is why I commend the guys who go on and, you know, academically they are at the top. Like we had Myron Rowe. Yeah. I don't know if you, you've yeah, heard Yeah, didn't he end Rowe. up going to a uh, uh, place in like London? He won the um, Rowe Scholars, if I'm, yeah. not, if I'm not mistaken. It was like – Pretty much like you're the smartest athlete. If I'm, if, if I believe that's what the, I believe that's what it is. Yeah, and I know I one of them got accepted to like 
a very, very prestigious school yeah. to basically continue like scholarly work. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it's like a neuroscience or, or something. Um, While still being one of the top, yeah, <laughs> top players. Crazy, crazy. So like, I commend people like that. Though. Yeah. Like, man, they're, they're smart, very smart people. Yeah. But um, went from Florida State, got dismissed, and then I uh, went over to Georgia Southern. So Willie Fritz, he brought me on at uh, Georgia Southern. I wasn't able to play for him. I had to sit out a year, but he's a really good coach. He's a damn good coach. Um, he coached over at Tulane. He's at Tulane now, head coach okay. there. Um, and I played under Tyson Summers in 2016. So, um, and I got drafted in 2017. So that was all out of Georgia Southern, man. And like I said, that's a great program, great football in Statesboro, Georgia. Um, man, they don't they don't play about their football in Statesboro, Georgia. Yeah. So um, I was happy that they were able to bring me under um, their wing and allow me to perform how I did when I was there. Mm-hmm. So then you end up getting drafted. Uh, Kind of throughout your career, you played for a couple of, a couple teams here. Prior to playing in the NFL, I mean, did you grow up being in Georgia? Were you a Falcons fan? Or who I was you a Michael up? Vick fan. Okay. So Michael Vick was my favorite player. I wasn't like, oh, go Falcons. Yeah. Obviously, man, I wanted the Vicks. I wanted, I, I had, I believe I had a Vick jersey also. Um, but who didn't want to be like Michael Vick? Um, he impacted everybody. You know, mm-hmm. he he left his imprint on Atlanta. You know. Obviously, everything he went through, yeah, it's cool. But um, every kid wanted to be like Michael Vick. So when I played football, when I played quarterback, I thought I was Michael Vick. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't Michael Vick, but um, I wanted to do what he did. Um, so he's my favorite player. Believe it or not, I didn't grow up having a favorite team. Okay. I, I've just always had favorite players. That's I don't know, I'm I don't know why. very similar. Like I'm a Packers fan, yeah. being from Wisconsin, but mm-hmm. I uh, I definitely am a fan of certain players right. more so too where even if they're on a team that I don't like necessarily like I just, I respect them as a as a player and become a fan of them as a player and player like Vic I mean mm-hmm. I, I used to have his jersey too I played quarterback <laughs> in high school and yeah. uh, uh nowhere near the the athleticism that that Vic had but it's uh it's somebody that you you just always had to watch the things that he did on the field were just unreal and then yep. I remember they used to put all those commercials for him like the Vic mm-hmm. experience yep. and uh <laughs> those commercials used to be crazy mm-hmm. too and they were so entertaining um but yeah I mean you ended up you played for a couple teams you played for the Chiefs Giants Titans uh so I I remember it by just blurting out where I went from from so I went from the Chiefs to the Giants to the Titans mm-hmm. to the Jets to the Raiders Jets okay yeah. yeah so five teams in four years okay um drafted to the Chiefs in 2017 um, I spent the whole year with them, did a training camp with them, got released, went over to the Giants. Um, they picked me off of waivers, practice squad. I did like seven weeks on P squad there, got um, bumped up, active roster, played the rest of the year with them, the Giants. That was in 20, uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, got released from them after the draft. They drafted the linebacker. I got released. Um, I spent that whole pretty much – summer training, trying to figure out where I'm going to be at. Titans, I had workouts like everywhere. Um, worked out for the Titans, and they signed me. Um, so I started 20, uh, was that 2019? Yeah, the 2019 season with the Titans on practice squad. Um, never got elevated to uh, – Active roster? Active roster, okay. nope. I actually got released. Um, my son was born. So my son was born September 4th. Um, here in Nashville, mm-hmm. and I got released from the Titans like two weeks later. Um, <laughs> that's that's a whole another story, man. Um, 
it's part of the reason why I don't really like Titans like that, believe it or not. I, I cheer for the guys, though. Yeah. But um, go from the Titans to the Jets. I get picked up by the Jets a week later. Um, I met the Jets out there in Florham Park. And I'm there for the rest of the season until about week 15 where the Raiders call. They bring me onto the active roster, and I'm with the Raiders for for two the last the last couple of weeks of the season. Yep. Um, and then the whole COVID thing kicked off. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about what that's like just dealing with the mental side of that, of the ups and downs, being elevated, going to practice squad, having to do all these tryouts, traveling all around to these different cities, trying to get settled in, especially like when you do have a family too, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of bouncing around the league while still trying to stay focused, still trying to stay motivated to yep. to make these teams um and just mentally stay staying positive too i mean that's that's the toughest part about professional sports um you you have to have extreme mental strength because you can be cut at any moment you can be hurt you can you know get injured at any moment um any play i mean that's that's the mentality literally like this mm-hmm. could be my last play so the effort that you have to bring every play is like this could be my last play and that impacts your family in all different ways. Um, but when you're able to go team from team or you're getting those calls, believe it or not, that's a good thing. Yeah, just it, being wanted by the yeah, teams. Yeah, being wanted is a good thing. Like mm-hmm. So if you're not being called, I, I got to that point where whole offseason, nobody called. Um, but we can rewind. Staying... Staying mentally strong, knowing, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to continue to do. As long as I'm healthy, I'm going to continue to give my all. That takes a lot um, because you got to show up the same exact person every single day. Yeah. The day you don't show up that that hardworking, that that driven individual, that dedicated individual, um, that person who, you know, you can stick to that schedule and you can be meticulous with it and, and you can give it your all. Um, that's the day you fall off. That's the day when somebody else who's hungrier than you is going to come take your spot. Mm-hmm. Or when you become stagnant, when you become lazy, when you say, you know what, I'm good. I don't feel like working out today. It starts to go downhill from there. And it's times where I had to catch myself like, nah, we, we're going to work out. I know you hurt, but we got to go work out today because if I don't, it's going to be a 19-year-old, 20-year-old who, mm-hmm. who is doing it. Um, so... That's the toughest thing to do is stay in it mentally, especially when you're not all super secure. I wasn't first round. I got drafted, yeah, but everybody that plays in the league, they know when you get first round, man, the opportunities are way more endless than a guy who's late, who was drafted later in those rounds. Yeah, I mean, even undrafted. just that original rookie contract, I mean, you're you're the expectations are higher where I feel like even teams are going to play you Mm-hmm. Just because they're like, hey, man, we spent this draft oh, pick 100%. on him. We're, we got to see what he can do. It's an investment. Yeah, so you get a little bit more of a leash um, than someone that's a later round draft pick for 100%. sure. I mean, we we all see it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, statistically speaking, the league is made up of more undrafted players than drafted. Um, and, I mean, every team I've been on, I've been around where I've seen, oh, shit, that was a first rounder. And, you know, you don't – I don't – I don't compare, you know, pockets and pocket watch and stuff like that, bank accounts. And but you're like, he's getting paid how much? And you're like, hold on, that that undrafted dude is beating his ass every day. Yeah, I'm I'm serious. Every team I've been on, I've seen it. We all see it. Um, But like you say, when when they literally give you this amount of guaranteed money, you you gonna they have to they have they have to put that product out there on the field. 
Um, and there's some organizations, they don't give a damn. Um, like Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, he doesn't give a damn. He's cut second rounders. He's cut third rounders. Like, legit, he's, hey, we'll take the loss. But mm-hmm. we got to put the best product on the field. Um, and then you have some franchises, they're like, sorry, we're giving this guy this much money. You got to play him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, 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 and, and that's what makes organizations different. Um, where you got front offices where we're like, we're here to fucking win football games. We're here to win games. We're not here just to say, okay, we're paying this dude, so we got to play him. Yeah. Nah, if, if he's not performing how we need him to perform to win, hey, we're going to take the loss. So um, every organization is different, though, in that aspect. Yeah, and that's got to be tough, too, because then that's the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're yep. kind of, you alluded to it a little bit more of the Titans releasing you two weeks after having a kid. And, I obviously not from I was never in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I just had Travis on here who played for the Giants, right. uh won a Super Bowl with them, played for Wisconsin, is in the Badgers Hall of Fame. Um <laughs> one of the best tight ends to ever go through the state of Wisconsin. And that's one of the things that he talked about is mm-hmm. is after that Super Bowl he tore his ACL and then trying to come back and getting cut by these teams. Yep. And just the emotional impact that it has on you because you're so invested into these teams. You're so invested, obviously, in yourself as a player, um, trying to perform at the highest level and then seeing the business side of it where you're, you're getting let go and you're like, damn, um, this is it. It, it, It's, (laughs) it's actually happening. So, um, I mean, tell me about like the struggles of, of that side of it, of when you're being let go and just the hard parts of, of getting called into the office or however it goes. When my first time, I remember every time I got released. The first time I got released, I was released by the Chiefs. Rick, rookie, my rookie year, um, I had a solid rookie year as, especially as a special teamer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the last game we played, um, well, the last regular season game we played, we went out there to Denver. Um, I literally played like every. I played the most snaps out of everybody. I didn't come off the field at all, literally. Um, true story. That's <laughs> played, awesome. Played like 88 snaps. Um, I had got a sack against like Paxton Lynch, I think it was his name. Um, obviously, we had Alex Smith at that time, my rookie year. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, we have Patrick Mahomes stepping in. So that training camp going into year two, um, I started off strong. And then I had some, I was dealing with some injuries myself um, where I wasn't playing the way I needed to play at all. That's that's for sure. That's for certain. And you know, like, you know, um, when they start taking snaps away from you or, you know, the next guy, he's getting more reps than you because every practice is scripted where we're going to run this amount of plays. Ones get this. The ones get six plays straight, eight plays straight, sometimes ten plays straight. Mm -hmm. The twos get three, four, five plays maybe, depending on how long the practice is. And if you're a three – you might get one or two plays. Unless somebody's down, unless somebody needs to get filled in, how many snaps you're taking in practice is counted, is watching on film. So um, when you're not getting those snaps, that tells you something. Yeah. When you're in training camp, um, that's that time where you're fighting for a position. That's that time where you're making your name known. So if you're not performing how you need to be or you're injured, then you're not showing up on film. You know? So... um, like I said, I wasn't performing how I needed to perform. Was I healthy? No, but it's no excuse, man. They don't care. Nobody cares. Nobody's 100% healthy at all. You got to fight through it. Long story short, Ben Neiman, um, I think he came out of Iowa. 
Man, great, great, great dude, great football player. I'm not sure if he's still in the NFL right now, but he busted his ass. And he, I will honestly say he made more plays than me. And that's that's some shit you got to tell, you, tell yourself. You got to be real about it because we're all watching. Everybody's watching. Um, so, But I didn't think I was going to get cut. Basically, long story short, I didn't think I was going to get cut. I had renewed my lease out there in Overland Park, Kansas, a nice luxury apartment, high ceilings. I, I, re, I renewed my lease like three days before um, like the decisions were made. Yeah. And I got a call. <laughs> I got a call. And and it was like, yeah, we're going to need you to come to the, uh, you know, facility, come, come to yeah. the facility. And then my heart just dropped. I was like, what they need me for? And I, and I thought about it. I was like, damn, am I getting cut? And it was one of those things, man. You got to turn your iPad, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, shit, this is real. Like, this is real life. And the first thing I did was, like, call my agent. And what's crazy is, like, my my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was coming out there. She came out there the next day. Like, she came out there either the next day or the same day I got released. And I told her, I was like, well, I just got released. I just got cut. I'm not a chief anymore. <laughs> she was like, what? And I was like, yeah. like. And But my agent was like, yeah, just hold on tight. Um, the Giants, they picked me up on the practice squad. So, literally, I flew out the same day. I think it was the same day, actually, like that, that night. Um, it happened all that fast. Um, but luckily, like I said, somebody wanted me. There was another mm-hmm. team that said, "Hey, we we like what you put on film. We saw what you what you kick, what you're capable of, or what you can do." And that's what's that. That's the good part about it. Um, when those preseason games are happening, you're not just performing for your team. You're performing for all other 32 te- 31 teams around the league um, who are watching you also. So um, I was able to do that for you know a couple of years where teams were like, "Nah, you put good stuff on film." Yeah, being able to put those good snaps on film. I mean, mm-hmm. basically that's what you're looking at, watching hard knocks or whatever, watching those right. preseason games. Uh, those those guys, especially like if you're trying to make a name for yourself on right. the special teams or just being able to make an impact for those teams in any way that you can and put something on film yeah. that if you do get released, those other 31 teams can pick you up that quickly, yep. which is insane that that's how, that's how fast it worked where oh, yeah, you were almost sure. a... a 24-hour turnaround, not even, and then all of a sudden you're on another team. Yep. But then even just from what you were just saying of of the snap breakdowns of practice, I oh, mean, yeah. it makes <laughs> it so much more difficult when you mm-hmm. only have a window of yep. three to five snaps to yep. make an impact. Um, and it's got to be incredibly difficult where if you are that that second or third tier, you know, hey, I got these four snaps. I got these mm-hmm. three snaps. I need to... To make an impact, you got to be a hundred percent on your game yep. all the time just to make that impact. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's 100%. it's an insane game, man. Especially playing a, a position like linebacker, that's the most physical demanding. position in the defense. That yeah, yeah. one of the most demanding. Oh, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, interior interior D lineman. Yeah, yeah, that's a next level. That's grown man battle. But um, like at Mike linebacker, when you call in the plays, when you got fit to run and you got to take care of the pass when you're guarding raw receivers when you're guarding tight ends who run like raw receivers now and they're six seven mm-hmm. six six travis kelsey six six and this dude's running like a receiver he's moving like a receiver when you facing running backs who are basically big ass receivers you <laughs> yep. know seriously um is is that physically demanding you got to go out there and you got to guard all of them you got to bring them down you got to tackle them um and you got to be right back, putting everybody in position. Yeah, you got to know the defense. You got to know what's behind you, what's happening in front of you. 
Um, Mike linebacker is, is one of the most demanding positions. He's like the quarterback of the, of the offense. Yeah, 100%. Of 100%. Yeah. It's got a way on you mentally, too, just being cut from one team, but then mm-hmm. positives of it being wanted by another team. Uh, let's get a little behind the scenes here with you being drafted, uh, diving into financials of of playing for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Um, how much help are you getting from these teams as far as as the financial side of things go? Do they they offer a lot of assistance in how to properly handle your money, um, what to do with it, just to making sure that you're not getting that first contract and just going out and blowing it? Uh, I would even say it starts before then. It started at the colleges. So when I was at Florida State, um, they brought in some financial people to have those discussion discussions. Um, now you got the NIL mm-hmm. deals, um, yep. all that stuff. And I, I know a couple of guys who go in, they teach those teams. Um, so you're, they're receiving that knowledge now. They have to now, obviously. Yeah, with the money the that's coming the money in. money that's coming through, yeah. yeah. But when, when you get to the NFL – um, yeah, they, they bring in all the financial gurus to, hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to do this. But at the end of the day, you're still a grown man. It's up to you to pick and choose who you want. It's up to you to say, oh, I'm going to go this route. It's up to you to say, okay, I'm going to give this person the keys to my financial, you know, my finances, and I'm going to let them make the decision. Um, me personally, if there were some things I could do again, I would, I would do it differently. But I chose to say, hey, I'm going to put it on me. Um, I'm going to make my decisions because I had trust issues. Um, I had trust issues where I'm like, I've heard so many horror stories because they t- they tell you the good and bad. I yeah, mean, you uh, you got people that come in and tell you, I got ripped off millions of dollars, and that that shit can scare you away. Um, and I was one of those guys. Where I was like, well, if anybody's gonna fuck it up, it's gonna be me. <laughs> so then you're like, not investing in anything just because of those those no, stories. No, so I, I did I did investing like you know like stocks and bonds and stuff, but. If I could do it differently, um, I would have went into real estate. I would have run into real estate immediately. There was a guy named Copeland. I played mm-hmm. with him at the Jets. Um, he His real estate portfolio was insane. He was just teaching us himself. But a player teaching us, an active player on our team teaching us is different than them bringing in a third party, bringing in some other people we've never seen before. I or tried, who have I never played in yeah. the league, too. Yeah. Right, right, right. Just you know, a guy in a suit, and he's like, I've been doing finances, blah, 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 many years. But um, when I got to the Jets, he was the one informing and educating everybody, not going on the classes that he would have. He would have the classes himself and, like, tell the guys, hey, yo, y'all come in. I'm going I'm to show y'all how to do this. And when he was teaching us all that stuff, I was like, damn, like, you know, it's not too late now, but I wish I had done this. A year ago or two. Yeah, yeah. my rookie year when I could have easily, like, you know, started off my, my um, buying real estate. Uh, so... But it's all up to you at the end of the day. They they provide everywhere I've been, they they provided the resources. The resources hundred percent. Yeah. They do a great job. I heard it wasn't like that back in the day, but um the time I grew up in, you know, while I was in the league, they they did a great job. Yeah, it's it good to hear. To because mm-hmm. I mean that's something that I've always kind of wondered about of yeah. just the resources that these teams are giving the players, mm-hmm. uh, just to put them in the right position right. to to be financially stable for the right. future. Um and teaching them options especially hearing a, a player yep. is is being a leader that much where he's he's inviting the other players in and saying hey come come check this out like yep. i'm gonna put you on this game and and learn from it take this advice so that way you can just have consistent revenue coming in yep. if you're not in the league um 
that being said, what is what's one of the things that you bought with that first contract? Man, believe it or not, the first um, first thing I had to spend money on was lawyers. Really? <laughs> I got put on child support as soon as I got to the NFL, man. Ah. Yeah. So I got a, I got two beautiful boys, man. Two two kids, a nine year old and a four year old. But once I got drafted, man, I, I saw pay before I signed my uh, <laughs> so I signed my contract uh, Cinco de Mayo, twenty seventeen, May fifth. Mm-hmm. 2017, I'll never forget. Um, I think I got child support papers like May the 10th or something like that. I mean, I'm I'm thankful enough to be able to be in that position to take care of my son. You yeah, know, both my boys. Um, yeah, you know, but it is what it is. So I mean, that's first- got to be one of the the yeah. more complex things though of of kind of having like a target where. Once you make it to the league, it's like you got people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, that's um, that's, every, that's everybody. Though. It's not. I mean, it's family. It's, it's people. That's um, yeah. And and that's 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 the hardest thing is the family. Um, everybody who's in the NFL will tell you, man, or just you know everybody that's in pro sports, sports got a yeah. lot of money. You don't even got to be in the NFL. You just have a lot of money. Yeah. So. But pro sports is different because your numbers are on the internet. Anybody and their grandmama can go look up how much you made. Yeah. Um, so my, like I said, my first big spent, my my first check went to uh, lawyers. Then um, I paid down the principal on like my parents' home. Okay. So believe it or not, I didn't That's go get awesome. jewelry. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go get cars. I got a car later that year. Um, my 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 goal was to say, you know what, I'm gonna ride out on this Dodge Charger. It was a 2010 Dodge Charger with a little dent on the side that I had in college. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a new car at the end of the year, at mm-hmm. the end of the season. And um, I was driving my Dodge Charger one time out there in Kansas in a hydroplane. Like, and this same car was the same car. It hi- I hydroplaned the first day I got it, too. Crashed it the first day I got it. And I hydroplaned again. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. The next day I went to like an Audi dealership and I because I, I had been looking for S5s, yeah. RS5s and stuff like that. And... Um, I saw a red car and I was like, man, I'm not driving no red car. But I asked the dude if they got any S5s. He was like, nah, we don't. The only one we got is that red one. And I was like, oh, I want a red car. He was like, just test drive it. And like, I test drove he it. He fucking sold you, man. Man, man. What? He didn't have, he even had to sell me. Yeah. I was like, because we got in his red and black seats, I still got it. it um, I still got I got to fix it up, though. I crashed it. But um, man, I drove it. Uh, we hit the highway. I, I was driving like 120 miles per hour with him in the car. He was just like, okay. Um, and I was like, don't worry, I'm going to get it. I was like, I'm going to get it. So he just let me drive it how I wanted to. You know, he went back to the dealership, and I pretty much I bought the car type stuff. Um, but that was like week nine, week ten into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, But I didn't just start off with, hey, let me go buy this, let me go buy that. Probably bought some clothes, obviously. Yeah. Um, but nothing nothing crazy. That's good. That's uh, yeah. Those are the those are the stories I like to hear. Mm-hmm. People, yeah, I didn't people do managing crazy, it correctly. Man. I didn't so. do nothing crazy, man. Yeah. Um, well, after uh, I mean, you've been out of the league now two years. Two years, yeah, two, yeah. two years plus, going on three years. Okay, uh, March March twenty twenty four would be three years. So twenty twenty one, I was released by the Raiders. March first. Okay, March first, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I was released by the by the Raiders. So coming up on three now. Uh, yeah. Being out of the NFL now, you're heading up security at Whiskey Row. Um, what kind of <laughs> transition to that position? I mean. Because you moved to Nashville after after getting off the Raiders, um, mm-hmm. what made you pick Nashville? Um, so me and my at the time, me and my ex fiance, like I said, when I worked out for the Titans, we was like, hey, let's live here. Okay. Um, we decided to live here. I went up to the Jets. She had to come up there too. My son had to come up there also. Um, 
for a little short period of time, but she was also living here in Nashville still. We, well, we, my, my house was here. We had a house here. Um, and then I went over to the Raiders for like a couple of weeks and it wasn't no reason for her or my son to come out there because it was literally like two weeks, two weeks for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and I moved, I came back here. So we just always stayed here. Um, and Nashville has been great to me. That's really what it is. My brother's lived here almost his whole life. Okay. Like 30 plus years. Um, my sister ended up moving here during COVID. Um, it's not far from home. Atlanta, Georgia is four and a half hours, four hours. But Nashville has been good to me. Um, the transition-wise, though, it was tough. It was tough for me because after I got released by the Raiders and I said no workouts, I got no calls, no nothing. Um, like I said, I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but that was the whole cough, the whole COVID thing um, that we were under for two years. Yeah. I, I made decisions to, you know, kind of move on from it at that moment. Um, I wouldn't say to move on from it because I wasn't trying to move on from football. But I didn't want to partake in all the rules and all the, um, you know, what they were bringing down. NFL, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. We need you to wear the mask. We need you to do this. We need you to do this. We need you to take tests every day, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'll opt out for right now. I'll be back next year. And then the next year was 2021. And they was like, yeah, we need you to take this the shot. Do the shots and all yeah, that. And yeah, and I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So yeah. not having that made it hard to even get a workout, to get a call. So I pretty much pushed myself out the league with with those circumstances, with those situations, um, which I just stand on my beliefs. That's yeah. what it comes down to. I, I'm a man of morals. I morally, it, it didn't. It wasn't right with. It didn't sit right with me. Um, so, no calls, no nothing. I'm like, well, I guess this is it. Um, what am I going to transition into doing? What do I want to do? Um, in that time frame, man. Um, like I said, it was tough. It was tough. A lot of people will tell you people who. I mean, whether you military. When you, something you've been doing all your life, something you've dedicated all your life to, and it comes to an abrupt stop and you can no longer do it, um, man, it's like an identity crisis. Like, genuinely, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, and when I say I don't know what to do, it's like, what do I have a passion for? Yeah. Um, and that's when I took up firearms. I was like, well, I, I like shooting guns. Let me get better at it. Let me get more proficient at it. So that was like something that kept kept me sane. I went to the range almost every day. I was at the range um, collecting guns and stuff like that, buying a whole bunch of firearms. <laughs> like, uh, this is pretty cool. I, uh, my guy, Chris, Chris Paulson, he brought me into his shop. Um, he works on machine guns. He does a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he's like a genius. He brought me into his shop, showed me around. I went up to his shop. I was going to his shop like every day, man. Um, did some little welding stuff. Like, so I you was starting doing, to learn how to do it yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah. No, I ain't do nothing crazy. Yeah. But he, him, him and... Uh, um, Paul, they they taught me some things for okay. sure. Um, and like I said, I appreciate him bringing bringing me into his shop, allowing me in to see how machine guns are made, to see how they operate, allowing me to shoot them. Um, because believe it or not, during that time I was down. Yeah, I'm like, okay, how am I going to continue to provide for my family? I got two boys. I got a um, at the time I had a fiance at that time. I'm like, how am I going to provide for them? And that's the toughest thing. Um, when you're a man in that type of position, you're like, how am I going to provide for my family? Um, that's one of the toughest things you can go through. Uh, but that, like I said, the, the whole firearms part, it, it kept me alive, mm -hmm. um, even to the point where I had created a product. Um, so if, I don't know if you ever see TAC Resist, short yeah. for Tactical Resistance. Creating that in that moment was huge for me. Um, just having that idea and bringing that idea to life, having the finances to go bring that idea to life. 
um, was huge. But believe it or not, man, to talk about it, my first job was at Dick Sporting Goods coming up. Okay. <laughs> so I went and got a job. Um, the, the judge was like, yo, you need to get a job on record. <laughs> you pay child support. Even gotcha. though like, I was still taking care of you know business, but like, nah, you got to have something on record. Because um, I had basically went like a whole year without having a job. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, where's your income coming from? I'm like, well, I still got some money. <laughs> so it was one of those things. Um, but I did Dick Sporting Goods for a couple of couple of months. And then I had an opportunity to work right there, that building you see um, behind us, Alliance Bernstein. Okay. Yeah, so um, a private equity firm. Um, you know, they, they do a whole bunch of investments and stuff like that. I worked there for a year. Um, figure, yeah, I'm not doing the whole corporate world, sitting at a desk. Nine um, to five. Nine to five, no. Yeah. No, I'm not. Even if I knew I could work my way all the way up through the ladder and all that stuff, that's not something I wanted to do. Um, I was like, you know what? What's the next best thing where I know I put my time in and I get the money? Sales. Um, you put your time in the sales, um, you can receive a lot of you know um, income for sure, finance-wise. And I went and I got licensed to sell health insurance. So like, I can sell health insurance to anybody right now, um, which I did for a couple of months. Um, with that being said, opportunity kicked down the door. Benny, Benny and Carell. Um, I knew those guys from the time I was shooting over at Royal Range mm-hmm. while, um, like, while I wasn't playing football. And um, the opportunity arose where uh, Matt Meadow, Matt and Mundy, they they were the two head of security. Well, five uh, eleven Matt, he was head of security at Whiskey Row. And then Devin, um, Devin, yeah, yeah Mundy yeah. Um, was number two. Um, they went on to do bigger and better things. You know, creating their business, Nightlife Pro. Congrats to them, man. Shout out to them. Doing a great job there over there at uh, Barstool. Barstool, yeah, yeah, man. Um, so them moving on opened up the window for somebody to step in at um, at Whiskey Row. And Benny, I just got a call one day while I was uh, selling insurance in the building. He was like, "Hey, we got an opening, um, open position. Do you know anybody?" Because he knows I'm like around, you know, like the military guy, mm-hmm. law enforcement type people. But he wasn't calling for me. <laughs> Um, I was like, uh, yeah, I think I might know somebody. But I was like, hold on, Benny. I was like, I think I can do it. You know what I'm saying? I told him, I'm like, I can galvanize a group of men. I can bring a, a group of men together, um, and I can lead them to one initiative. I was like, I've never done security work before, but obviously, like I, um, I've applied to like some. I've, I applied to Metro and stuff like that. I was working on becoming a. Uh, I want to be an officer or a SWAT, yeah. Yeah, more yeah. so on the SWAT side of things. So I was going to obviously go into the academy, yeah. um, be on patrol for a year or whatever, but my goal was to be on their SWAT team, um, those type of deals. You um, wanted to do the heavy shit, huh? Yeah, so if I when I was a kid, when I was like, I'm going to go to the NFL. If I don't go to the NFL, I'm going to the military, I'm going to be special forces. Okay. like that's, that's always been my mindset. So the whole firearms part of it comes in from that avenue. Um, but Metro didn't pick me up, and I was like, okay, Cool. I guess it wasn't meant to be, um, and but he knew like like he knew my mindset. He knew some of the people I was around, so he asked to see if I knew anybody. And I was like, man, I believe I can do. It. I know I can do it. And um, he was like, okay, well, let me talk to Carell. Carell, have you ever met Carell? Do you know who Carell is? Mm-hmm. So Carell is uh, the security director for uh, Riot Hospital. For all right, okay. all of Riot, okay. right, correct. Um, but just so happened they had been here in Nashville. He had been living here in Nashville, Tennessee, while I was at Royal Range. So they got to see me shoot. They got to interact with me. Um, at this time, I didn't know who they were. From. Yeah, like I didn't know nothing about no whiskey row because um, I wasn't going out at all. 
But uh, Benny was like, you know what? Okay, let me let me talk to Corell. Um, he passed it by Corell a couple of times, and um, they gave me an opportunity. I signed my contract uh, for 20, <laughs> 2022. <laughs> I never forget. Um, so uh, next next April will be a whole entire year. Yeah, and that was the transition. I just gave you the story. Yeah, much how I transitioned. Out. So you were already running Tac Resist prior to to getting on security with them. Yeah, yeah, I had created Tac Resist in twenty twenty. Okay, uh, and then I, you signed a whiskey uh, to yeah, start doing that in twenty twenty two. Correct. So, so you've only really been here not even a year for Whiskey Row. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been here a year. It hasn't been a year. It's only been eight months. Damn, it's only been eight months. April will make it a year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, time is flying, but it's, it has not been that long. Yeah, and I'm just thankful. I thank God every day for it. I, I mean, I love it. the team that's over there, and and mm-hmm. to attest to what you're saying, you you definitely have them very close together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guys that run security there are a super close knit group. Yeah. Um, you can tell just how they just hang out with each other, interact, and then obviously you can tell they all look up and respect you. Yeah. Um, I was actually just talking about it the other day that I have never once seen a fight while I've been DJing at Whiskey Row. <laughs> there was one time that I was in there yeah, and funny. there was like one fight mm-hmm. and it got handled like that. Yep. Um and yeah, they 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 get you out of there quick. Yeah. Um and and efficiently. <laughs> oh so man. Oh um, it's a good good team. Uh man, I preach to my guys, man. We we preach accountability, responsibility, and hospitality. That's what it starts with. Yeah. That's the standard. Um, literally, that's the standard right there. I gave you guys the sauce and keys right there. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, uh, verbal jiu-jitsu, that's what we call it. Yeah. Verbal jiu-jitsu and de-escalation. Um, but it that's also a good start- way to put it. Yeah. Verbal jiu-jitsu and de-escalation. It starts at the door, though, man. We we have positive vibes once you hit that door. Once you're coming in, we got some amazing door guys. Uh, man, we got IQ. We got JB. We got Aaron. We got Grant. We got um, my guy Z. My number two Z. Um, so when you come to the door, and everybody else that works the door also, Echo One, Echo Two. Um, <laughs> shout out to everybody else. <laughs> They'll know who they're. T- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because we got obviously those are our main door guys. Yeah, you know, like Friday, Saturday nights. Yeah. That's who you're going to see. Is yeah. so I'm, I'm mentioning them for a reason. Um, but this is taught across the board. So any of my guys that do work the door, they know like you got to bring a hospitality aspect. Um, be nice, you know, make people laugh because if you're at the door and you're just like. Welcome, you know what I'm saying? Give me your ID or right, go in. Um, that can set a precedent also um, in regards to the energy that people bring in. Um, we like to make people laugh. We like to joke. So if you in there fighting, man, we like, yo, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Because you you know, you guys aren't even allowed to play no crazy shit yeah. that's going to be having the whole crowd, you know, in an angry Knock mood. Knock if you buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, man, knock if you buck, man. I'm, I'm letting y'all know turn that shit off. Um, <laughs> uh uh, OMG Parker, I had to tell him one time, yo, cut that off. Don't don't do that. Cause I, I you know, I'm I'm walking around most of the time surveying the floor. Um, I'm on the floor with, with these people, and and if I can sense you the can crowd, see the intensity. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, that's not the right group right now. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't do that. But um, that's that's definitely where we're at right now. Yeah, you know? and I appreciate everybody, all the guys. They're doing a great job, man. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You got any? You got any interesting stories to share from the the eight months in nightlife so far? Obviously, the position I'm in, I get to see a lot more. It just, it does surprise me. The whole bachelorette parties, the the women that come in there married. Um, ah, it's sad. I'm not trying to you know ruin nobody's marriages <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's sad. It's genuinely sad. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you about to get married. And this is what I tell the ladies all the time. They have on the bride, they have on the white. 
I tell them, I wish you a successful marriage. I, t- I literally tell them that. I'm like, hey, hey, I wish you a successful marriage. Checking IDs. Hey, y'all have fun. I wish you a successful marriage. And then you see how some of them are in there acting or what they're doing. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, Lord. And obviously, I've never been to these. I don't. I think there. I know there are. It's not a thing. I know there are some places where male strip clubs around here or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've never been. But just make sure we get that clear. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I can only on, imagine on if they go there too. You know, what yeah. I'm I see how they act at at a, a bar or club. But I can only imagine if they go down there. Um, but that's that's the most crazy stories to me is like you know seeing how a lot of people um, hold themselves in those regards. But believe it or not, man, I, since I was 18 years old, I was popping bottles in in Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. So not to sound you know, but. The whole club thing has been a little played out yeah, for played you now. Out for me, yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, you see the fights, you see people acting crazy. You see, it's not we don't let crazy shit happen. I, I I haven't let anything crazy happen. Like so, it's nothing too crazy. Um, nothing too crazy to me might be crazy to somebody else, but yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I think it's just seeing the people who are getting married or are married or women who have rings on their finger or obviously men too. Just that. That is what's more so crazy to me. It's like my trust is like here. Yeah, you see that shit and you're yeah, like, I see it. Like, I see ooh. It. I mean, I'm just like, whoa. Like, I'm, I'm talking to women. I'm like, yo, you married. Like, chill out. Like, yo, you have a <laughs> ring on your finger. Like, stop. So I think that's what's crazy to me. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing, 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 nothing else really. How about uh, for you bridging the gap between you working that job and then nightlife too? Um, just like you talked about setting that setting that tone at the door mm-hmm. greeting and just creating a, a a vibe at Whiskey Row that people enjoy it's somewhere where they can come and and not have to worry um feel right. safe in the environment and just being something that you and your team built and built that that environment for the uh for the venue so you know obviously when I got offered the job I probably had only been inside of Whiskey Whiskey Row like um, a total of like four times, man. I can mm-hmm. count on one hand. Um, so I knew like, okay, live bands down there, club level, rooftop. Yeah. Um, but when I got there, you know, they was like, oh, on Sundays, it's like... Um, Service industry, just party. Yeah, yeah. locals. Like, they yeah. was like, Sundays is crazy where locals be fighting and stuff. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. I don't want to be dealing with fighting. Oh, and they were like, okay, these, man, we deal a lot of fights. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, that's the first thing we need to do. Let's change up our temperament. Um, am I afraid to fight? No, I'll fight. That's cool. But I don't want to fight for free. I don't want to fight every night. And obviously, I'm pretty sure somebody bigger and bad is going to come in to, come in here one night than me. You know, mm-hmm. um, That's not the environment I wanted. So that's one of the first things I implemented to the guys. I was like, when I was when we would do kickouts or when we would do something, I'm like, yo, like, yo, relax. You know what I'm saying? Don't be so quick to put your hands on them. Or I was going in talking to them. So most when I first started, I was doing a lot of kickouts. Like I would interject um, myself into it, um, and I'm dressed up in regular clothing. I'm not wearing security on my shirt. I'm hey, I'm a manager. Let me talk to you. And they got to see me de-escalate a lot of the situations. Um, they got to see me. They got to see how I wanted them to handle the situations. And I'm pretty sure all my guys will tell you now, like, man, we don't we don't have that many fights like that. We don't. Um, it's kind of rare. Um, and I don't got to knock on wood or nothing like that because we're going to put the work in every night, every day to make sure it stays that way. Um, but like you said, we want it to be a safe environment. We want people to come in and be like, hey, man, we had a time. Or, man, they kicked that dude out. 
I mean, you'll be surprised how many women come to us and they thank us. Like, man, we felt protected. We felt like yeah. you guys. I'm serious. I mean, people write reviews all the times, and um, it's it's like I'm putting my name on it, and I let my guys know. Like, don't get me wrong, we don't have jerseys. I mean, we don't have our names on our back. We got names on our front. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we're protecting the brand. That's my job to you know stop anything from happening, liabilities, um, and that's what I want to do to my best of my abilities. Down from you know just a, a drunk being a drunk to Obviously, somebody getting injured in a fight, or somebody getting injured from slipping and fall, or anything crazy. I'm looking at the whole, the whole landscape of things. I even think just a little bit about what you said of like a lot of the women feeling safe yeah. too, where the harassment part is another yeah. another big thing in bars and nightlifes, yeah. and that's something it that is. I see from a DJ's perspective yeah. too, where obviously playing music, like I'm always scanning the mm-hmm. room, and same kind of thing, like security wise, where I'll see. Sometimes people getting a, a little like aggressive, uh, yeah, a little aggressive. Where I can see it earlier, mm-hmm. and that's where even I, I'll tell people like, "Yo, look out for this person." Yep. Or a lot of times here with it being so like bachelorette heavy, yep. Um, I'll see some dudes just getting creepy, and oh, yeah. and I'll go and tell oh, yeah. people, "I'm like, yo, yeah, watch this guy real quick." Yep. And the team that's there is always right on it too. Um, which is is awesome to to kind of see them act that quickly, so that way the people that are here can have the good time that they're For expecting. Sure. Three days ago, Saturday night, um, one of our our bottle girls, she was at the door, you know, saying grabbing some stuff from like a lift. She needed a whistle, basically. Long story short, um, but she had on a little the Christmas outfit, one of those mm-hmm. things, you know, what I'm saying. So her bottom was showing out, and I'm just. Glancing, I see some old dude like this. You know, like how old people be. Old people be like this. They don't, <laughs> Zooming they don't in, yeah, yeah, dudes like this. And I'm like, I walk over to him, like, bro, delete the picture. I'm like, you can delete the picture or you can leave. He's like, well, I'm gonna leave. He's like, all right, where's my wife? I'm like, you know, just just leave. And he's like, where's my wife? I'm in my head. Yeah, I'm like, like you're bro, taking that bitch. Yeah. Like you, so you chose to leave instead of deleting the picture. So as his wife is walking out, he ends up like flagging her down. And he, she's like, she's literally looking. She's like, why? She's like, why are we leaving? And I and I looked at him. Oh, I would out I, look, I literally looked at him like this, and, and he's like, all right, he's all right. And I'm like, and I, I sound like, now nah, fuck it. And I was like, your your husband decided he was deciding to take pictures. And then while, while I was telling her, he was like, look, because I took a picture of this, and he's like, I'm gonna delete it. Don't worry. And he deletes and he walks off. But I'm like, bro, you could have just deleted the picture. You could have saved yourself the embarrassment from your wife. And this is an older dude. You know what I'm saying? Old ass dude. But um, I mean, we obviously it's crazy. You got the creeps. Um, but my my job, the most important thing I don't play about is like the drug, the drugging. Yeah. Um, we get word on the street of some dudes. We'll get pictures of them. Hey, watch out from him. Watch out really? from him. Yeah. So I mean, we we be on the lookout. That's that's one of the most important things, man. Because I I don't want that shit spreading in my bar at Whiskey Row at all. We be we you can do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Nah, it's not that type of party. Obviously, I can't control a man being a creep. Um, we gonna get him out of there. You know, if he touch you and stuff like that. But like I said, my my big number one thing is we're not gonna be letting women get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I make sure I'm looking out for um, because those type of men they that they remain consistent in doing those things. I don't care how much money you spend, and I don't care how many bottles you popping. You ain't about to be pop, putting nothing in nobody drink. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we look out for for sure, big time. Yeah, I haven't heard about that at yeah. all, like any stories of it here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely a good thing to not not hear anything right. like that. Right. You were talking a little bit about Attack Resist before. Tell me a little bit about starting that that business and that company. Um, what got you into it? I mean, is that something that you've always been into? Is is 
the guns and that that kind of military mindset. I know you said obviously mm-hmm. you were looking at either going to the NFL or going into a military field like that. So have you always been into it or did you get into it like in college, in the NFL, after? Um, believe it or not, man, I was raised in a household where I couldn't have BB guns, water guns, no type of guns. Really? Yeah, it was pretty kind of anti-gun based off of my mother's experiences. Yeah. She had negative experiences with in her life, you know, mm-hmm. like she had been shot at, stuff like that. Um, so she was always like, no, stay away from guns. So um, I bought my first gun when I was like 18 years old, though, from a private sale in Georgia. Um, and that was my first experience. Well, technically, that wasn't my first experience with guns. My first experience with, with a gun was I was 13 years old. Uh, me and my close friend at that time, yeah, I'll never forget, we was home alone at his house. That was the first time I ever held a gun. Um, alone, by ourselves, no adult supervision. I'm not sure if it was loaded. It was it was a revolver. Um, so you that was my found it in the house. I'm I don't, I'm pretty sure he knew where his brother's yeah. gun was at. He he didn't just find it in the house. Yep. but I was you know I was invited to play with it you know with him or to check it out. Hey, come check this out. Come look at this. This is a gun. You know you know how kids are. Um, so that was my first experience, and I'll never forget that because um, I have two boys. I have a nine year old and a four year old, and I I've taught them at a young age already. Like. This is what this is. Like they can point out where the barrel is, where the trigger is, what's the slide, what's the frame, um, and I don't want to alienate them from firearms because when they come around, they're not gonna. I'm not just gonna go hide all the guns. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I'm not leaving a loaded firearm around. But I say that to say that we must educate our youth. We must educate children because you never know what circumstances they're gonna be under. Mm-hmm. And you hear these circumstances where kids are or shot, or something tragic happens, and if you educate them and you don't try to you know, hide it from them, it can make a difference. Yeah. Um, I say all this, say, like I said, that's how I was raised, where you know I couldn't be around any water guns or anything, um, which led to me having like an infatuation with firearms. I told myself, hey, when I get to the NFL, I'm gonna buy a whole bunch of guns, and that's ba- pretty much what I did. So like a lot of my money was on, spent on guns, I would mm-hmm. say, when it came to spoiling myself. Um, and it just came from like, Hey, I like shooting, going to the range to, all right, I'm watching videos of people look like assassins, you know what I'm saying? That's how well they watching shooting. Watching Keanu Reeves yeah, go through much. John Wick. I'm, yeah, so, no, seriously. So um, so Terran Tactical, actually, he he he's a, Terran Tactical is a guy in the firearm industry who taught um, John Wick how to shoot, mm-hmm. prepared him for the movies. Um, and a lot of the competitions that they do, like USPSA, shooting and stuff like that you have high level shooters i'm talking about these guys are accurate as hell they're shooting fast as hell it, it almost looks fake but it's not it's not fake it's, it's a lot of training that goes into it um marksmanship um accuracy endurance all of that um quickness um and like i said the year i took off for of covid i was like let me go get into that so i got into a couple of competitions and i'm seeing i'm the biggest blackest dude in there but you got a little kid a little white boy, 12 years old, to an old-ass person shooting way better than I could shoot. You know what I'm saying? And it inspired me. Yeah. I'm like, this dude looks like a nerd. But <laughs> if somebody effed with him, he would clear your whole block off. Mm-hmm. I'm not even joking. He's deadly. You know what I'm saying? I'm dead serious. This dude is deadly with a gun. Um, you go into these USPSA competitions, and you see these people from every different walks of life and you're impressed and you're blown away and like, how do they do that? So that's what got me into, you know, learning how to uh, shoot more proficiently, uh, whether it's faster or whatever it may be. 
Um, and I was just downstairs training one day, working out, still working out because I want to still partake in the NFL, be on the team. And I had resistant bands on, um, bench pressing and stuff like that. They were connected to my waist and then I connected to my wrist. I was doing an upper body exercise. And then I picked up one of my firearms, a dry fire. Dry fire is pretty much using an unloaded firearm, no, no, um, no ammunition. Mm-hmm. And you're pretty much like working on uh, fundamentals. So whether you got a rifle or you got a pistol, um, you're working on like target acquisition. Uh, you're working on stability, keeping your dot or keeping your sights um, on the target, you know, um, those type of things, working on your draw. Um, working on pressing out efficiently, effectively, working on your grip, working on your trigger press. Um, so I picked up my rifle and I started uh, dry firing with it with the resistant bands attached that I had. And I was like, hold on, you know, this is a workout. And I was I was doing reps. Um, yeah. Uh, like punching the gun out and those type of things. And I was like, hold on. Um, I know how efficient resistant bands are and their uses because I use it on all capacities sports-wise um, at every sport. I mean, you can take any sport and you can throw resistance bands in there and use it for functional exercises mm-hmm. um, to increase your speed, your endurance, um, everything. And I was like, yo, I've never seen resistance bands be used with firearms. And I just put it down. I went on Google, got on my computer, started Googling everything, resistance bands, training, firearms, like every keyword search you can think of. And I didn't see anything. And um, from there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to design something. I'm going to make something where you can use resistance bands and dry fire at the same time. So um, that's what I did. I just started drawing stuff up, and it pretty much went from that to me actually sourcing the material to use for my design to create it. Um, I had used some resistance bands from like this other product, and I started tying it to my Molly belt. A molly belt is what you use, what you'll find law enforcement and military yeah. individuals where they'll have like you know everything, everything else attached. Yep. The holster, yep. yep. It pretty much carries all their gear, yeah, including the firearm. Um, and I was like, well, I can attach it to this, and I can attach it to that. Man, long story short, I created a product. Like you say, uh, you can see it on tackresist.com. Um, it's still some final little things I need to clear up. Um, where I pretty much designed a product which allows you to increase your performance as a shooter. So whether you're law enforcement or whether you're military or whether you truly are a USPSA shooter, a professional shooter, and you want to increase your endurance by using resistance bands and train with them, um, that's what I created. That's the product I created. And okay. um, like I said, that kept me pushing, man. It kept me going. Um, it kept me with a creative mindset like, oh, wow, you know, you did this. Um, there's even some other things that I want to do, um, not just just that in general. Um, so that's all part of the transition out of the NFL, I would say, also. Um, that was part of it. It was part of it. Yeah, so what are, like, the goals coming up? I mean, what are you looking to – where are you looking to take the, the company in Tech Resist? I mean, obviously building mm-hmm. that sort of, of fundamentally strength building and, and endurance building to be able to, to transform that into – becoming a better shooter and a more consistent yeah. uh, shooter. But then is there other things that you want to do with the company? Is that something where you want to be able to do defense training or any kind of things like that? So after, so that was something I was, and I still am, I'm still doing it, but it, it's a lot. It is a lot, um, especially the position I'm in here at Whiskey Row, head of security. Hours so wise, yeah. Yeah, everything I have on my plate. Um that is a product where that's my baby. That's like, yo, you really created this trademark, you know, intellectual property, all of those type of things. You have that. And it's like, 
go tap back in, bro. Go complete. Go finish what you started. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at, honestly. That's that's really where I'm at right now. Like, go finish what you started with that. Um, but it, it takes a lot. Yeah. Um, the product is created. The product is done. Um, I, I've got it in some guys' hands who love it. You know, they love it. Um, now it's putting it all together with the marketing, the sales, and putting a, a team behind me um, where we're pushing it, where we're getting it out there. Um, it's already proven. Uh, so... A lot of individuals um, who've already, you know, have used it, they're like, no, nah, no, nah, this this works. It's not just a gimmick. Um, so even Carell, his, his wife, um, she's used it. And she went on to win uh, third place and something we call it the tactical games. Okay. So the tactical games is pretty much where they have a whole bunch of different events, um, running, jumping, climbing. Um, but firearms are included also. So there's a shooting aspect. There's a, there's a shooting por- portion of that. Um, and, man, she's killing it right now. She's doing a great job. Um, shout out to her. Um, but other than that, business-wise, is I have to tap back into it. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Just, yeah. Just to say. It's the product itself. I mean, that yeah. product... Tackles is you can use in your living room right now. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a product that you use in your living room. Because you just dry, dry fire and everything. Yeah. just dry firing. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, do you take it to live range? Yeah, but you don't use it on live range. Mm-hmm. You don't use it on live ammo um, for, um, you're not supposed to. I've done it, but you're not supposed to. Liability-wise, yet nobody's going to sue me for using my product. Yeah. And accidentally shooting somebody and claiming that the resistant bands is what caused it. You know, that's just the truth. Well, I mean, is that something that you're... You, wanting to to tap back into in a, in any time frame here or 100 percent. so i mean even even the other day i was just using it here like i said there's a there's a final little piece of the product that i, I want to clean up because i think it's an issue um before i you know go full scale like here we go um and some people will give me some feedback so it's it's some things i need to clean up on okay on, on what i want to do with it that's oh, just yeah. where we're at right now what uh what kind of advice do you have for up and coming aspiring athletes um, that are at the high school level, the college level, um, just words of advice that you would offer to them. Man, aspiring athletes, uh, everybody out there, and it's not just football. Um, I mm-hmm. played sport. I played all sports. I played basketball. I played football. I ran track. Only thing I didn't do was play baseball. I played soccer. I think this day and age is tough. Tougher because there's so many distractions. Tougher because people are comparing themselves to whatever they see online. Yeah. Any kid right now, when I say kid, I mean like middle school or shit, even high school. Obviously, if you're graduating senior and you haven't done anything to put the work in, I I can't help you. Um, But a kid with a dream right now, dream big. When I was in middle school, um, I told myself I was going to NFL. When... I was a freshman in high school. I'll never forget there was a guy named Christopher Gilzine. He was getting offered letters, well, he was getting like interest letters from LSU, uh, Georgia, like the big schools. And like it was a whole bunch of just interest letters. But at that time, I didn't know that interest letters, you know, they was like, oh, we were interested. To me, it looked like the dude could have went anywhere. Bull was his nickname. Um, he would throw his letters away. This is a true story. He would throw his letters away and stuff like that. And there was times where I was like, yo, can I have your letters? He was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, man, I took those letters and I went home and I, I taped them to my wall. That's something to look up to? Something to look up to. And I was like, well, I, I want to go there. I want to, you know, I want to go D1. He was an artist. I had him make me a hoodie. 
It was called, it was D1 Bound, number 15 on the back, Stone Mountain High School football on the front. That was me dreaming. That was me saying, um, you know, what do they call it? Like words of affirmation, all that other stuff. But at that time, I'm, I'm writing down my goals. Like I'm going to the NFL. Manifestation. I'm, yeah, yeah, manifesting. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't just writing that down and sitting on my ass. I was writing it down and working out. I was writing it down and, you know, doing more than the next man and making sure that um, when practice was over, I'm still working on my craft. So when I say this day and age is harder, I think because so many distractions, you can just go pick up your phone and you can find yourself death scrolling and not putting in the work. Um, I mean, even now as an adult, I find myself doing that. And I'm like, yo, yo, chill out. You know what I'm saying? Get mm-hmm. back right. Um, so any anybody that's coming up now, man, dream big. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. And I'm talking about it could be your mom or your daddy, anybody, um, where they don't believe in you. You got to believe in yourself first. Um, you got to prove it to yourself first. That's the most important thing, I think, is prove it to yourself. You can't be out to prove it to the world. Like, yeah, you're going to prove it to the world eventually, but prove it to yourself first. Because when you build confidence in yourself um, and you find that that dog in you where you're like, man, I did it. You know what I'm saying? I finally did it. Um, nothing else is going to matter mm-hmm. because when you start accomplishing, when you start achieving these goals, everybody's going to start clapping for you. And if you're waiting for people to start clapping for you, I don't think you're going to be able to take that first step and be successful. So when I say prove it to yourself first, put the work in, set a goal for yourself. And once you've completed that first goal, it's like, okay, I proved to myself I can do it. What's next? Um, I think that internally is 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 where you build up to become great. Um, me personally, that's that's the steps I took. I was like, hey, well, I'm going here. My first offer, I'll never forget. It was like my uh, going into my junior year in high school from Arkansas. I didn't want to go no damn Arkansas. I didn't care nothing about Arkansas at all. No, no disrespect to Arkansas as a program, man. You know anybody from Arkansas? I actually know somebody from Arkansas. But <laughs> I was like, cool. They Division One. We're getting mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, man, a couple of weeks down the line, um, I went out to some camp, a Nike camp. Um, I got MVP there. Me and Quan Alexander, I'll never forget. Quan Alexander is still playing in the NFL yeah, right now. Stud. Uh, it was at UGA, actually. It was at UGA. Um, my name got out there. I play, you know, like guarded some tight ends, guarded some running backs. Like nobody scored on me. It was one of those things. Go out to the opening. Um, we compete there with a lot of guys. So my name started to get out. It was big after that. I think like Florida State was like my seventh, seventh team to offer me. Um, and I pretty much committed real quick, and, like, everybody started offering me after that. But, um, man, when I had that hoodie, I used to wear that hoodie. People used to laugh at me. They used to think I was weird. Mm-hmm. Like, he got a whole bunch of colleges on the back of his hoodie. Like, it literally was their logos, like the, the collegiate logos. And they said D1 Bound. This was, this was before I ever had an offer when I made that shirt. And then the offers from the people that were on the back of that hoodie started, started to come coming in, in. And people was like, yo, like, that's crazy. Um, so just believe in yourself, put in the work. And when I say put in the work, not just go to practice um, or do the allotted times that are given to you of, you know, work. You got to put in extra work. Um, you got to imagine that somebody's out working you and you got to work harder than them. It's one of those type of things. Um, don't wait for your mom or dad to take you somewhere. Go down the street if you can, you know, put in the work, um, work out, um, lift. Um, and make sure you're taking care of yourself academically, too. Um, from all angles. Mm-hmm. So don't just, you know, be physically fit, be mentally fit. Um, make sure you get good grades. Um, you you do all that and you remain consistent, um, you're going to find yourself somewhere. Yeah, you just prep yeah. yourself for success all 100%. over and just be 
being well-rounded like that. Most so, definitely, yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. That's great, great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely something that someone out here is going to be able to use and be motivated by it. And yeah, and I hope so. I hope so for real. Yeah. I really do. I, I, I hope there's a kid out there who, you know, somebody's telling them they can't do it and they go write down their goals and they go paste it to their wall or, yeah. or they print off something that gives them inspiration where they say, you know what? Um, and you got to think about it. I, I didn't have no football people in my family. I didn't have sports people in my family. Um, and like my dad, he said he ran track and stuff like that, but I didn't have any professionals who went on to play professionally. I was more self-driven. I had a great support system for my my mother, her supporting me and everything I did sports wise. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have like a, my parents weren't like you're going to do this, you know. So I mean, I didn't grow up with my parents like you're going to go to the NFL and you don't have no option. It was just like yo, that's what I want to do and I'm going to go get it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Something I like to do on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, been doing it the last couple of episodes. We're going to hit you with a quick little rapid fire, a couple okay. questions here for gotcha. you. So. Uh, <laughs> First one up is going to be from your time in the league. Yeah. Uh, where was your favorite place to play? Arrowhead Stadium, man. Yeah? Arrowhead. Arrowhead Stadium is special. Um, it's, so I, it's crazy. I played at Florida State. And, mm-hmm. You know, we... Oh. Yeah. Seminole chant. Yeah. But you go to Arrowhead, you're getting the same thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess yeah. it would be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, it's special. That and Seattle. I played in Seattle. I got to play in Seattle. Um, the 12th man is real there, too. But mm-hmm. um, Arrowhead is, is special. So those are my two favorite places I played at. Uh, best fans. Would you say that for the best fans, too? Or you say Seattle? Chief, Chief Seattle. I mean, Chief, Seattle, yeah, they got great fans. Like I said, the 12th man is, is huge. But um, playing for the Chiefs, obviously, man, I know how great their fans are. Um, I mean, out there practice during uh, – I mean, the practices, they're there. And they're there for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've been part of some fan bases where, like, they aren't there. The Jets. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like the Jets. <laughs> yeah, like the Jets. It was weird. But, um, they, they have the best fan base, in my opinion. What about, Chiefs. uh, hardest fans to play against? When I was with the Giants, we played against the Eagles. It is yeah, true. Okay. Like, they they yeah. are dickheads and stuff like that. <laughs> Throwing <laughs> snowballs at Santa. Yeah, yeah they, they, um, I don't. They might have beat us too. I think they might have won too. They probably did win that game because we weren't that good that year. I was with the Giants, twenty eighteen. But I was just like, all right, these people really are dickheads. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things. Uh, the Raiders fans are tough too. I mean, I've seen the Raiders, and I was I was with the Chiefs when we went over to the Raiders. Yeah, and played the Raiders too. But um, they 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 get down also. Oh yeah, especially before Vegas, man. You mm-hmm. had the black hole. It was yep. yeah yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad I got to experience it. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm glad I got to experience Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Favorite city to eat in? Atlanta. Atlanta? Easy, yeah. Okay. Hell yeah, Atlanta, man. Um, and I mean, Just because of the diversity or? That, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, man, I like, like I love Ethiopian food. So Atlanta has some great Ethiopian places. Um, obviously, all, oh, yeah, chicken wings and stuff like that. Yeah, but listen, culturally, I mean, you got some Nigerian spots out there also. Mm-hmm. Um, Ike's is, is good. I don't eat there anymore. But, um, man, you got, like you just said, diversity. You you got it all. Um, I lived in Kansas City, so they were like, oh, I didn't know that until I got there. They was like, Kansas City is the barbecue capital of the oh, country. Yeah. And I was like, for real? Um, but they, they got some good barbecue out there. Um, I lived up north. I'm not going to lie. No disrespect to anybody who's from up north, but I, up north food is not <laughs> like that. I'm from down south. So yeah. down south, I'm taking down south from 
I'm taking down South Food anywhere. Oh yeah, versus anywhere. I mean, I would too, and I'm I'm from Wisconsin, yeah, so for sure. Uh, favorite city to go out in? Miami. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, if you're gonna Miami. go back to Atlanta again. Yeah. Um, Miami. I mean, Atlanta's nice, but yeah. I think cultural culturally, Miami is 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 the place where you go out and have fun. Yeah. I mean, just to surround the beach, you know, you can you can go get on the jet ski one second, hop off and walk down the street and be in the club yep. the next. It's one of those type of things. I think that is special. Um, I mean, hopping on a boat and then hopping off and going to a club is, is different. That's mm-hmm. that's cool. You can't do that in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, in Atlanta you park your car, you go to the club, you come back, your car's broken into, you might have had a good <laughs> time, but now it's all over. Now you're not 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 having much fun. I haven't partied in L.A. I've been in L.A. multiple times, but I haven't partied in L.A. Um, Like When we won the National Championship, me and my boy, we went out there to the city of L.A., but we didn't party like that, so I can't vouch for that. Um, I've partied in New York, um, but I would definitely say Miami. Miami, you can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. What, uh, What player right now is your favorite player to watch? My favorite player to watch? Michael Parsons. Okay. Hell yeah. Bruh, that, That's a solid I pick. don't think people understand how freak of an athlete that dude is and what he's doing at his position. Um, watching him get off the ball, watching tackles try to jump set, you know, like, or just snap, jump off, false start just to block him. Um, what he's doing is special. For him to be able to play inside and outside is special because mm-hmm. um, I did a little bit of it. Like I said, I, I was primarily an inside linebacker, but my last game I had to start when I was a, a rookie for the Chiefs when we played the Broncos. We played the Denver Broncos. Um, Tom Bali sat out. Justin Houston sat out. D4 sat out. We probably had another DN sit out. It was just me and Tano Capasino, TK. Shout out, TK. Um, taking all the snaps. So I had to play DN, rushing the passer. And that's one of those positions, bro. You are so tired. And you got to go full speed against another man one-on-one every single time. Yeah. Uh, he can do that, and he can play in the inside, which means he's covering receivers and tight yeah. ends, too. He's special. Um, so, believe it or not, it's not even an offensive player. It's Michael Parsons right now. He's definitely getting buzz yeah. around him, too. I mean, and there's a yeah. lot of of talented DN, like mm-hmm. DN linebacker, just kind of hybrid players between like him, TJ Watt. Yeah. Um, you TJ look Watt's at like Bosa's, Miles Garrett is another yeah, one. I, think I mean, about. Miles Garrett's a freak also, bro. Yeah. Miles Garrett's a freak athlete also, man. He, I think he's, they say he's leading the league in sacks per like um, being double teamed. Yeah. So like, it doesn't matter. He's and double teamed, yeah. he's still leading the league in yeah. sacks. Yeah. Um, so I think defense is, if you watch a lot of football, it's a lot of great defensive players right now like absolutely some special dudes like yeah. even the bland dude from the cowboys yeah deron bland yeah uh, people don't understand running five interceptions back for a touchdown i think i don't know if he's at five or six he's at five and he's got eight total that's insane yeah he got more touchdown than a lot of receivers mm-hmm. and they don't people don't understand how special that is i think they showed that yeah. he had more than like some teams have had in the last yeah, yeah in yeah. the last couple of weeks so mm-hmm. What music are you listening to right now? Who's your favorite artist? Man, I'm listening to Strictly Afro Beats right now. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, Drake came out, um, you know, like a month or two ago. Obviously, Brent Fias came up a month or two ago, too. Um, those albums came out. I played those. But I'm definitely listening to just Strictly Afro Beats right now. It puts me in a great mood. Who's um, your Who's your Afro Beats go-to artist? Probably like Omale right Okay. Now. Odomodu Black, I'm listening to him heavy right now. Obviously, you got Asake. You got, you know, you got your main artist. Yeah, you got 
uh, Benson, Buju, Buju Benson. I like him a lot I'm too. Have to check him out. Yeah, so yeah. those are those are three artists right now that I'm listening to heavy. But obviously, you got your main artists. You you know you got um, Burner Boy, Burner Boy, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those dudes are are, are pretty uh, mainstream right now. But what about when Drake? Uh, like collabs with some Afrobeats. Like he was just with like Jay Huss. I just um, heard one the other day too. Yeah. I just heard Drake on somebody's song. And I look I was like, why does it sound like Drake? And I look and it was. Yeah. Um I think it's special. I think it's dope. I mean, not just him. You got Drake, you got Chris Brown joining. I think it's I think it's great. Man, I, I Benny. I've been telling Benny and Eric, like, can we have a a Afrobeat Latin night at Whiskey Row? I think it'll do well. I remember I played it uh, like one of the first times that I was DJing there. Yeah. And I didn't know like your background or anything uh-huh. like that at the point. And I remember you coming up to me and just being like, the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> Would you play some Afrobeat stuff you said? Yeah, when I did, yeah. Man, um, um, and I remember you coming up and be like, hell yeah. Like, I, I Just not expecting um, it because a lot of people don't play it there. I think a Wednesday. We take a Wednesday because we got... We whiskey jam Monday Thursdays, man. Mm-hmm. Great, great job, whiskey jam. Ward's been doing a great job, whiskey jam, man. We, Absolutely. I'm, I make sure I'm on my guys all the time. Protect the brand. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we protect the brand of whiskey road, but protect the brand, the brand of whiskey jam. So, but man, on a Wednesday, you bring in Afro beats and 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 you know the Latin music. I think I think we can make some money. Yeah. Personally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely enough following for it, and mm-hmm. Afro beats is been blowing up more and more consistently um so it's awesome man what is a uh you were just talking about ethiopian food nigerian Mm -hmm. food what's a what's a dish that i i need to have 100 percent ethiopian food you gotta get the veggie platter um the the names are escaping me but the shirawat shirawet and stuff like that my ethiopians out there they they can correct me but i I spell (laughs) like s-h-i-o-r w-e-t google Um, will let me know yeah no 100 i don't want to start googling right now on the phone but um that for sure. Um, get a veggie platter. I'll get the names to you for sure. And a couple go-to spots yeah, that you got to hit. I'm serious. You got to get the honey wine too. Okay. The honey wine is good. Um, then you you got the miso, miso wet. Yeah, shiro wet, miso wet. It's like the chickpea sauce. Okay. Um, those things are good. I mean, even even the beef that they, they cook up is pretty damn good. Um, it's like a collard green also. I'm not sure the name of it. But uh, overall, the teff injera. If you eat the 100% teff injera, where yeah. it's not just like the flour, it's extremely healthy for you. Teff, T-E-F-F. It's a grain that they use um, traditionally to to make the bread. Yeah. The injera bread is really damn good. The first time I ever had it, I thought we were just eating bread. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm not trying to just eat all bread. But the the, the guy explained to me, nah, this is teff. It's, it's healthy for you. Um, the, nutrition, the nutritional um, values for it is good. So um, if you find a place and you go there, tell them you want 100% Teff and Jera. And you can eat it all up. You're not going to, it's not like one of those things where you just feel like you ate bloated, a bunch of bread. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to be bloated. I yeah. promise you not. And it's healthy for you too. Hell yeah. So um, that's something I would recommend. Then. Dope. Recom- recommend. And I got something to look up. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, I mean, I appreciate you so much for letting me come over, taking the time to sit down. Uh, get your story out there and thank you thank and you, get man. it out, man. So it was, it's awesome to, to have a conversation with you outside of work. Right, right. Um, actually, be able to hear you a little bit more clearly and not over the loud music. So <laughs> I appreciate uh, you a lot. Yeah, thank you, man. Anything you. else you need to put out? Uh, promote. We got we got Tack Resist. I'll put all the socials mm-hmm. for for you and for the company um, out there for the listeners. So make sure you guys go all give right. Leeway a follow. I'll be, I'll be right back. Let me go grab Tack Resist. Oh, we get a little demo here, huh? 
Oh, so you have it just a t- okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so this one when, when I spoke on the resistant band side of things. Here we go. So when I said a Molly belt, this is the whole entire Molly belt. Yeah. What I created was this TR anchor. Okay. I call it the tack resist anchor. It's a piece of aluminum. Within the aluminum is so this nylon that's here, and then you take a try. I took a triangle D ring. Um, let me take that out real quick. Oh, so then that can come through. Yeah. yeah. So that stops it from coming through. Yeah, so that way yeah. When you're exactly. working on it, exactly. So when you're when you're pulling, um, the molly belt is pretty much just um, sitting there as a as a uh, what do I want to call it, just a just a holding point, essentially speaking. Yep. But so what you do is you know you have your belt on, and then I would put my resistance bands. On. on the wrist, oh, okay, yeah, okay. On my wrist, I put my resistance bands on my wrist. So every time you're drawing, you're getting resistance. Yes, and then you're able to to build up the resistance and become quicker at whatever you're so going to do. Any, draw wise, anybody that's ever used resistance bands in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So whether you're working out, whether you're exercising, resistance bands, man, they 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 do a great job, pretty much targeting the the small muscle fibers that yeah. fast so twitch tight so that's your type 2 muscle fibers yep. the 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 fast twitch muscles so resistance bands are great for not only uh, a old person who can't pick up weights in that respective um you know um, situation but a, a person who hey I can't get to the weight room I'm going to use resistance bands um you got the eccentric and concentric movements of resistance bands and they work both ways um, the lengthening and the shortening of the muscles. So when you're using tack resist as a shooter, and let's say you're using a pistol and you're presenting out, everybody, I mean, nowadays, everybody wants to punch out fast on the target. Mm-hmm. Um, God forbid, you know, a real life situation. We're not just talking about um, performance as in uh, USPSA, but a real life situation where every second, every millisecond matter, every millisecond counts because your life could be on the line. Um, literally, um, you want to get that gun out fast. You want to present it fast. You want to get on target fast. Um, you practice for that. You dry fire for that. But what happens when you dry fire so much and you might feel like you've hit a plateau? What do you do then? Um, what training are you doing? How are you getting better? Um, let's implement resistance bands because now your muscles aren't used to uh, you being resisted against with that functional movement. So when I'm presenting a firearm, um, when I'm presenting a, a firearm and I'm pressing out and I'm using resistant bands, I'm literally putting that muscles through tension. Mm-hmm. Um, so these will be 20 pounds. The blues are 10, 20 pounds. Um, I have yellows and greens also. The greens are heavier than the blue bands. So 10, 20, and 30 pounds of resistance. And then you put them on each wrist? Yeah, you place them on each wrist. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, could, I could do it for you here. Um, honestly, but it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be able yeah. to sit down. No, I got you. Yeah. Um, but you place them on 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 each wrist, on each wrist, and you go through the same exact movement with the same exact um, making sure you use you know proper form, the same exact form, just nice and slow presenting, nice and slow presenting, or you could just stay on target, holding that resistance right there with the resistance bands pulling on you, um, and you're gonna feel it in your muscles. You're gonna feel it in the muscle groups that you use while you're shooting. Yeah. So. Whether it be your shoulders, whether it be your biceps, 
um, a little bit of your forearms, forearms also, yeah. you, you're going to feel it. Like I said, um, the fact that, like I said, when you're dry firing and you got to a point where, okay, I dry fire, I'm, I'm here, and you might feel like you're at a plateau, what, what can you do training-wise to get better? Mm-hmm. Um, you can use resistance bands. It's going to increase your endurance. So, I mean, yesterday I was at the range. Um, we was running around with a rifle. And what's crazy is, is I mean, we running, uh, probably the drill that, one drill that we did was probably a total, well over 100 yards worth of running. But running with a rifle and you're tired, you're fatigued, and now you're breathing and you're holding that rifle trying to get a shot on the A zone from 50 yards away, which isn't even as far as distance, but it's not even that far. You got people who shoot from 200 yards away, yeah. 100 yards away easily. You know, um, we're not talking about long distance shooting at that length. Um, 200 yards is, you start getting some long distance, but whatever. Back to my point. Um, I was, what I'm saying, I was running for about a total of over 100 yards to finish off the drill. I'm trying to shoot at an A zone target, the A zone still, which is like this big. And I'm breathing and my dot is going everywhere. So now we're starting talking about stability. So if I'm at home and I'm using tack resist um, to train dry firing with my rifle and I just take out my rifle and I use, um, I could just find any point in the wall, it doesn't matter. And I just stay there, I hold it for stability. Keeping that resistance on your Keeping, arms, yeah. That's that's increasing your accuracy. So 100%. you increase your stability, you increase your accuracy. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you can you can sit down and, and be accurate and shoot, but when you got to stand up or you're running and movement movement, now you got to take a shot. Um, how do you stabilize yourself? Mm-hmm. So whether it's stability or like you mentioned, uh, the quick muscle your your type two muscle fibers, which are your muscle fibers which are in control of explosive movements, um, quickness. You know, um, quick being quick is an explosive movement. Um, how are those muscles firing? So. Basically, when I created Tack Resist, I was like, well, I know everything, all the positives that resistance bands are for. I've used it from injuries. I've used it from training just to become more explosive, to become faster. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that, and I'm going to implement it into shooting, mm-hmm. my training that I do now. Um, and that's that's pretty much how I came about it. Like I said, I sourced all the material myself yeah. um, from the resistance bands, the, the specifications of the lengths that they needed to be. Um, it was funny because when I first started – um, I'm 6'3", but not everybody's 6'3". So I had to make like a, a large version and, you know, like a medium version of resistance bands. Where stuff or, that you don't like think about right, right away. Right, right. Yeah. So, man, it, it's gone through a lot of production yeah. or, or even like the wrist straps. Um, they, feel, they feel really comfortable. The, the neoprene, yeah, yeah. So like the, the inside, the neoprene, like if you're sweating, these are still going to stick to yeah. you, have a nice grip to you. Um, the Velcro, um, you know, I wanted to source like some of the best material. Obviously, Everything is made in China nowadays. Um, so, design—I could say design in USA, mm-hmm. Desi- yeah. design here in Nashville. Um, but this was this is a this is a special moment for myself because um, I created it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, I put the pen to the paper, resources, everything I use um, from the logo, everything. So, um, be on the lookout for sure. Be oh. on the lookout for sure. And shout out to Colin. I didn't mention her name. I said Carell's wife. Her name is Colin, just so you guys know. Um, she's doing great things in the firearm industry, uh, per se, as in um, tactical sports. And I, I'm going to call it a tactical sport um, because it is, the, yeah. tacti- the tactical yeah. games is what she won in her division. And I believe she placed third in the country overall. 
Um, and I think she's going to continue to do a great job. And I'm, I'm proud for her because she used tack resist during her training. Hell yeah. Um, she had positive things to say about it. So um, moving forward, I think we've got a, a lot of a big things planned for sure. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So definitely make sure you guys are checking out tack resist. Follow leeway. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, put all the socials in there. Mm-hmm. If you're ever out in Nashville, definitely stop by Whiskey Row. By Whiskey um, they Row got great sure. events going on with, with Whiskey Jam, what we were talking mm-hmm. about uh, every Monday and Thursday at Whiskey Row, where you get to see original country music yep. on Broadway. It's an yep. awesome time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, thank you again one more time for, for taking the time to sit down Most and definitely. tell that story, man. It's it's really nice to to be able to sit down with you and uh, and chat and have this conversation, learn a lot more about you. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave some comments here if you got any questions for Leeway. Let us know any other guests that you want to see on any of these upcoming episodes. Listen in on Spotify or Apple. Make sure you follow. Give us that five-star review. Follow me on my socials at DJ Dex MKE. And then if you like those uh, those DJ mixes, I put those out every single Monday. New hour-long mixes from DJs all over the world. Get you through those workouts, that drive, yeah. everything else. So until next time, man, we will see you guys later. Thank you. Peace. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Appreciate you. Thank you. Seriously. Check. Mic check. One, two. Yo, is this thing on or what?